uh, don't just stay tuned, but stay involved here at New Life. First Kings chapter 18, uh, verse 21, for the first uh, message of the year, uh, our theme this year is life as a church. And we're going to be jumping into that after the fast. I'll be preaching this week and next week. Osvaldo will be preaching the week after. And then Zach will be preaching the last Sunday, the 26th, wrapping it up. And uh, so in, in February, we're really going to be digging into our theme, Life is a Church. And what we're going to be talking about is what church really is. Helping us to understand what the purpose of a church is in our lives. It's one thing to attend. It's one thing to be faithful on Sundays. It's another thing to allow church to get into your life and have its purpose and allow Jesus Christ to use what he created to reach you and to reach the world to work through your life. So we're going to be looking at those kind of things. In order to get to that point, I believe that we need to, uh, we need to face the new year with some uh, some solid choices. So today is uh, the theme, the, the message for today is five solid choices for the new year. In 1 Kings 18, 21, Elijah has uh, entered a competition, if you will, against the prophets of Baal. And Israel at this time was into idolatry and they were worshiping the god Baal and there were prophets of Baal, hundreds of them in, in, the, in the, the nation of Israel. And the people had turned to Baal. And Elijah was the prophet of God. And he was challenging one man, challenging the nation to return to God. And he, he came up with this competition. We'll go up on the mountain and you build a sacrifice to your God. And you call fire down from heaven from Baal. And I'll, then I'll do the same thing. And whichever God answers the prayer and sends fire down from heaven, that will be the true God. Well, the prophets of Baal danced around and cut themselves and all these different things, and no fire came down from heaven. Elijah stood up, made the built the altar, put the sacrifice on it, had them drench the sacrifice with seven big jugs of water, and then he prayed about, a, depending on the translation, about a 52-word prayer. And God sent fire down from heaven, consumed the sacrifice, consumed the altar, and licked up the water all around. And proved that the God of Israel, the God of uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, was the one true God. Before we got to that point, Elijah challenged the nation of Israel with this. So then Elijah approached all the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people didn't answer him a word. Elijah was challenging them to make a choice to follow God. To return to the God of their fathers. To choose between the God who had proven himself over and over and over again in their history. Remember, this is the God. These are the people who can look back in their history and hear the stories of God leading them out of Egypt. Of God providing a way through the Red Sea. Of God providing manna in the desert. Of God providing quail for their ancestors to eat. Of, of God providing the power to overthrow all the nations and take over the promised land. And these people, the ancestors of those great men and women who stood and fought and followed God had now wandered away and, and Elijah was challenging them. Choose. And that's what I would come to you today, today saying this, for 2020, as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, as a person who claims Jesus as their Savior, as a member or a tender, as a new lifer, choose. Because it's time for us to make a choice. It's time for us to step up and say, listen, this is my life, this is my faith, and this is my church. And I'm going to give myself to, to what God has called me to give myself to. The saddest part of this verse for me is the very end. Elijah made that a powerful statement to these people. And it says the people didn't answer him at all. Apparently, they were going to sit between two opinions for a while longer. For us as followers of Jesus, 
The failure to act is the greatest failure of all. The failure to act is the greatest failure of all. We have amazing opportunities in front of us. We have the incredible opportunity to live in an area where, as far as being a, a soul winner, as we used to call it, a person who shares their faith and tries to win people to Jesus Christ, we fish in a stocked pond here in Western Mass in the Springfield area. We have so many people who not just don't know Jesus as their Savior, but who have never heard the truth. Yet many, I would say most Christians in our area, sit between two opinions. We sit between a desire to be effective and get involved and a desire to do things our own way and not give up what we've been called to give up. Now, it's an odd time of year. Right now, the days leading up to and leading away from New Year's Day. It's always amazed me that the simple flip of a calendar page or the tick of a clock. How many of you stayed up and watched, whether you watched the ball drop or you were up for midnight? I went to bed at 10.15. I, I've seen a lot of New Year's and I just, I, I was just, I was just tired. I said, hey, I'm going to bed. Um, but it amazes me that just these things change the way that we see our lives. Many times it's for good reasons. The year we left behind was one that we wanted to leave behind, perhaps even needed to leave behind. Sometimes it's because we want to challenge ourselves to greater accomplishments in our lives and more effective productivity. Whatever the reason or reasons, I believe that it's a pretty healthy time of year and a very healthy practice for everyone that participates in it. I think it's a good thing to sit and take stock. I think it's a good thing to have a measurement uh, of time whereby you can, you can stop and look and say, well, this is where I was at the beginning of, last, uh, beginning of 2019, and this is where I ended up. And now, at the beginning of 2020, this is where I'm at. Where do I want to be at the end? Where do I want to be at the end of 2020? The Christian life is something that, that must seep into our, into our pores. It's something that must, if it's going to have its proper effect in our lives, it's got to become woven throughout every fabric and fiber of our being. It's got to become and have an effect and an influence on everything we do. Because the Christian life is not stagnant. You're either moving forward or you're going backward. There's no in-between. And I know some people might, might argue that point, but that's, that, that's, what I, that's what I believe and that's what I believe the Bible teaches. The Bible says you're either for him or against him. You're either a builder of the kingdom or an enemy of the kingdom. I, and I, I know that sounds harsh, and some people take great offense because we take offense at everything today. But that's the honest truth. If you're not building the kingdom, then you're an enemy of the kingdom because the Bible says that we need to be building the kingdom all the time. The ones who choose to take a break from following Jesus for a while are the ones who are in peril of falling away from the passion of service and ministry and becoming irrelevant for the kingdom of God. That's why it's imperative that we, uh, that when we are making life-changing choices, we do so with our walk with Jesus and the kingdom of God in mind. I wonder how many of us, as we thought about this new year, as we thought about what's coming up, did we take consideration of our walk with Christ? Did we take consideration of our, our place in his kingdom. And I think more pointedly, did we take consideration of where we are in our church and what we're doing? Is it your desire? Did you sit down and say, you know what, I want to be, I want to be more involved in my church. I want to be a greater witness in my community through my church. I want to get, I want to jump on board in my church. Boy, there's an awful lot of work. Building a church is not easy. 
Building a church is not, an, is not an easy thing. Building any kind of ministry is not easy. It takes a lot of people to come together. You hear the announcements we have, and, and as we try to pare down announcements, we realize that we need to get more out because communication is so important to let people know what's going on. And there's so many things happening. We're, we're, we're starting a new men's ministry. I'm so excited about this. We've been wanting to do a men's ministry for a while. I'm excited about the work these guys have put into getting it going. I'm excited about breakfast. Every day I'm excited about breakfast, <laughs> but, but, but this breakfast in particular, man, I'm excited about it, and I can't wait. See, I'm going to kill myself on this thing. Oh, jeez. I know. But, gentlemen, when you heard that announcement of a men's breakfast and a men's ministry, what came to your mind? Did you say, it's food, yeah. Did you say, I, I can't wait to put my name on the list so I'll be there? Did you say, well, that'll be a great time for breakfast? Or did you say, boy, I'm hungry for fellowship with other men. I'm hungry to find out how, how this will help me as a man. And ladies, I'm, I'm, I'm not wanting to offend women right now, so please understand how I'm saying this. But... Being a true man is under assault here in America today. I was raised by a real man, and we were just kind of reminiscing, Jeremy and, uh, and myself and some others, reminiscing about my dad. Um, he's, we, almost, we almost lost him um, Friday. Was it Friday morning, Sue? Thursday morning? Um, he, his blood pressure, he, they had to bring him back. His blood pressure dropped down 70 over 40 or something like that and his body core temperature dropped. And they worked for a couple hours trying to get him back, and now he's, I walked in and I was praying for him, and I thought, this, is this it? And all of that, and I've got my eyes closed, I'm praying next to his bed, and all of a sudden I hear, good morning. <laughs> Looked up, I'm like, wow, geez. Uh, my dad just started having a great conversation with me, and he's coming back, and I think that means God doesn't want him in heaven right now because he doesn't want to deal with him. But, uh, but my father taught me how to be a real man, and, I'm, and I'm, listen, I would apologize about that if I thought it was a bad thing, but it's not. Right. And today... Being a real man in society is frowned upon. A man of God, a man of the word, a man that takes responsibility for his life and his family. So when we start a men's ministry and we get men together, this is what it's about. Learning how to be a real man of God. Gentlemen, when you heard that, did you get excited? Ladies, did you get excited? Did you get worried? <laughs> Are you excited about your husband getting together with other men and learning what the Bible says about true manhood, and just getting together and talking to other men. See, we've got great things going on and, and coming up, and, and where do you see yourself fitting in? Did you even consider that? There's some great perspectives on the importance of making good choices, and I want to share them with you. First one, anybody ever seen the movie Renaissance Man? Danny DeVito? He becomes an instructor at a, at, at a basic training. It's one of my favorite movies of all time, and I'm glad nobody else has seen it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. He said this. He was, he was teaching a group of young people who were struggling. Um, they, they didn't have a, the greatest educational opportunities. And he said this to them. The choices you make dictate the life that you lead. The choices you make dictate the life that you lead. It is popular in our society today to blame somebody else, to put the blame on other people, to put the blame on society itself. Well, I, don't, I didn't have the same opportunities, but you did have opportunities. Well, I didn't have the greatest mentor, but you still have, the, you know, you can blame anything and you can make excuses, but the choices you make dictate the life you lead. Kevin DeYoung, Great pastor said this, my fear is that all the choices people face today, the one they rarely consider is how can I serve most effectively and fruitfully in the local church? 
I wonder if the abundance of opportunities to explore today is doing less to help make well-rounded disciples of Christ and more to help Christians avoid long-term responsibility and have less long-term impact. That's powerful, man. That's a powerful statement. All the opportunities, I call them distractions. Our lives are filled with distractions. And you can distract yourself right out of effective service for the kingdom of God and in your local church. I'll say it again. We have over 200 people that call themselves new lifers. And we average about 100 on a Sunday. There's a lot of distractions, new lifers. We have one service a week. What are we doing? What are we choosing? What are we choosing to do instead of serving God? Watchman Nee said, The believer at minimum can declare by his will that he wants the truth, that he wants to know and obey the truth. By prayer and by choice of will, he ought to resist every satanic lie, whatever form it may take a thought, an imagination, or an argument. And this last one, if your choices are based on the word of others rather than the word of God, then your choices are not godly. Too many times we spend time talking to other people and talking to other Christians. And, and an inf- we, we talked about this last year in one of our series. There's an infection in Christianity today. Now, my dad, they found out that my father's problem. They say that my dad had pneumonia. I didn't know pneumonia could go throughout your entire body. But he's got pneumonia throughout his entire body. My dad, in August, weighed 185 pounds. Today, he weighs 141 pounds. So that infection has just racked his body. Medication is taking care of it, getting him back to health. That kind of infection has, effect, has infected Christianity. Unfortunately, it's even infected our church to a degree. And it's that infection of not truly trusting the Word of God and not really taking the Bible at its word and not really trusting that God is the God of all things, but that we as human beings can come together and talk about our problems and support each other. Hey, listen, man, that's great. I'm, I'm glad that we can come together and we can talk with each other. But if the Bible is not the central focus of you dealing with your problems and people helping you with them, then you're, you're not following the dictates of Jesus Christ. Happy thoughts and good vibes are not found in the Scriptures. The healing power of Jesus Christ through the application of scriptural principles is found in the Scriptures. We'll be talking about that in, in just a minute. Using the principles of the Bible as your standard for making good life choices is the first and best choice that you can make. The Bible will never let you down and it will never lead you astray. It will always give you the right advice and the best options. Only a stubborn or foolish follower of Jesus will refuse to at least consult the Bible when they decide to make life decisions. And the most important part of your choices is this. The most important part of your choices is this. You acknowledge them as yours. The most important part of your choices is that you acknowledge them as yours. Although there are many choices that you may have considered and some that you've already incorporated in your life, I want to share with you five solid choices for this coming year that I believe will not only help you live a more focused and productive life as a follower of Jesus, but will also help you to assume your role of effective ministry here at New Life. And that's the, those are the, the two prongs that we're going to be building our case for the church on this year. Your walk with Jesus and your role here at New Life. It's pretty simple. We're not going to be digging into elaborate schemes or, or anything like that. What I want to focus on this morning and this year is your walk with Jesus and your role at New Life. I believe that they should be intertwined. I believe that as you grow closer to Jesus Christ and dig into the Word and find out what the Bible has to say, you will find that it says you truly need to be part of a local New Testament church. You truly need to make that an important part of your life and your family's life. So let's look at these five choices. The first one is this. I believe that if you want to be effective this year, and be effective in your walk with Jesus and in 
the church, you must choose peace. You must choose peace. And I'm talking about peace in every area of your life. I know, we say, we, we mention this more than we probably should. Our nation is an amazing turmoil right now. There's no doubt about it. Even in our, even in our congregation, there are people on either side of the argument. We as followers of Christ should be above the fray. Why? Because the Bible says we are not of this world. The Bible says we are citizens of heaven. The Bible says we are not to be... Now, now I'm not saying we don't take, take our role in society and we're not good citizens and even get involved in government. But what I'm saying is your faith should rise above everything. And when you look at the political environment or you look at the, uh, the social environment or whatever, you should, be, you should be viewing it through the lens of your faith. Okay? We should choose peace. You cannot bring peace to others when you are at war with yourself. We, are, we serve the Prince of Peace. Jesus came to bring peace to this world. And our calling is to go to people with the message of Jesus Christ and offer them the peace that only he can bring. But you can't bring peace to others when you're at war with yourself. As I said last week, 60, 63%, I believe, 63 or 67% of all teenagers in America today believe that everybody prays to the same God. That's devastating. Thinking that everybody... Listen... Allah is not the God of the Bible. Buddha is not the... I know, oh my goodness, Pastor John is saying something controversial. Darn tootin', folks. Buddha is not the God of the Bible. And if you choose to follow Allah, and your friends who choose to follow Allah put their faith for their eternal soul in Allah, they will die and go straight to hell. If they choose to put their faith in Buddha, they will die and go straight to hell. If they choose to put their faith in Eastern mysticism, they will die and go straight to hell. Oh, that's kind of judgmental. No, it's Bible. Oh, you know what? Okay, call it judgmental. I don't really care. Because people are... See, this is what I'm talking about. We fight over these things rather than the truth of the Word of God. That's what the Bible says. You can disagree with the Bible. It's your choice. But if you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you've got to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, when you came to the understanding that you were a sinner and you had a problem, and that problem was that there was a division between you and God that you could not fix... And then you realize that Jesus Christ died on the cross. He died on the cross for a reason, and that reason was to pay the price for your sin and my sin and the sin of the whole world. And then you realize that this was a free gift that he was offering to you. You didn't have to earn it. You couldn't work for it. Aaron was talking to a... There's a guy that walks... He lives a couple houses down. He walks his dog through our property a couple times a day. That's and, and, and his name was John. His name is John. You pr- the dog. The dog's name is Red. And uh, red, our boys, when the first, the, first, uh, the first stuffed animal we bought them when they came to our home, uh, Gabriel, chose a, uh, no, yeah, Gabriel chose a dog, and he named him Red. <laughs> and it looks just like this dog. Anyway, uh, you pray for a guy named John who lives right down the street. Because as he walked through, Aaron and I just happened to be walking out. And I never get to talk to the guy because I've always got my dogs, and my dogs don't play well with others. And Aaron talked to John. And Aaron gave John the plan of salvation right out here in our driveway. And John said, I've got to go take a walk and I've got to think about it. I've got to, I've got to process what you told me. When you got to that point where you realized that this is what you needed and you prayed and you asked Jesus into your heart and you said, Lord, I'm a sinner. I know I can't do anything to get myself to heaven. I ask you to come into my heart and save me and take my sin away and give me your gift of eternal life. When you prayed that prayer and received the gift of eternal life, the Bible says Jesus not only gave you eternal life, but he gave you peace. Well, I'm not living very peaceful. 
My life is in turmoil. You know why your life is in turmoil? And I'm not talking about things going on around you. I'm talking about in the core of your being. It's because you're not choosing peace. You're choosing dysfunction. You're choosing wars. You're picking fights with other people. You're fighting battles that you'll never win. I'm like that. Osvaldo, maybe as a, as a pastor, you were like that. When, when, when people reject what you are offering or people walk away from your church, I tend to obsess over it. Like, what? And, and it's bad. It's bad. It's consuming. And I have to remember, God, you gave me peace. And somebody else's choice cannot take my peace away. I've got to allow your peace to reign in my heart. Well, how do you get that peace back? Well, I, I, listen, to, I listen to songs. I listen to music. And I put on the scriptures, and I, I read, and I pray, and I beg God to, to, to restore that peace to my heart. It's a constant battle. But I choose peace because I don't want to be at war when there's so many, so many great things at stake. Jesus offers us peace if we choose it. John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. He offers you peace if you'll take it. Maybe this year one of the choices you need to make is choosing peace. And finally, laying down the weapons of your own warfare and picking up his. Taking on the armor. My sister Donna and I had a great conversation about the armor of God. As she's teaching in Sunday school, she found a, a great little game for the kids to play uh, to remind them and learn about the armor of a Christian. And uh, it's awesome because if you will take on the armor of Christianity that God has given you, man, it covers your body. And spiritually, it will give you the strength you need to stand up to temptation, to stand up to attacks from other people. Bottom line, you must choose Jesus Christ. You must choose to be born again, and you must choose to follow Jesus and live in the peace of Jesus Christ. The second thing we must choose is this. We might, man, get ready. Get ready. Told you this year is going to be something special, man. You've got to choose to go all in for Jesus. You've got to choose to go all in for Jesus. As, as Elijah said to the nation of Israel, you're, you're in between two choices here. You're, when are you going to make a choice? Because while you're sitting here, you're doing nothing, and nothing can be done with you. Remember what, what Jesus said in the book of Revelation? He said, I wish you were hot, or I wish you were cold. If you were hot, I could use you. If you were cold, I could heat you up. But you're lukewarm. You're lukewarm. I don't know whether you like your coffee hot or whether you like your coffee iced. But I'll tell you, coffee loses something when it's like room temperature to me. It kind of gets oily. Yeah, I put cream. I, I put a little bit of coffee in my half and half. And a little bit of Splenda in there, too. And, uh, I, okay, I put a lot. Um, but it kind of breaks down, and it gets a little bit oily, and it kind of loses that flavor. And it's not as good, so I have to go back to the microwave and heat it up over and over again. And that's what God kind of des describes us as. And there are times, I don't know, maybe, maybe you, where I've been expecting a nice sip of hot coffee, and I picked up yesterday's cup. Yeah. And I, I put, because we use Contigos, and I'll pick up yesterday's Contigo because I don't always empty it out. Um, and I'll take a swig of that, and I have to spit it out because it's not, it surprised me. It's not what I expected. And I kind of think that God looks at us that way sometimes and says, that's what he says in Revelation, because you're not hot or cold and you're lukewarm, I can't do anything with you. I can't do anything with you. This year, if you're going to be an effective follower of Christ and an effective member of new life, if you're going to grow in your own personal life, and if you're going to be a, po a powerful, effective member of new life, 
you've got to choose to go all in for Jesus. Let me make this very pointed statement. Too many people are dying and going to hell and have never heard the truth. Only the fully surrendered and committed believer will get that and will care. There are those who, believe, who, who just have the feeling, well, I'm going to heaven. I remember when I was, a, my first, first job as a youth pastor was when I was stationed in Fort Riley, Kansas. I was in the, the first infantry division. Uh, 101st Military Intelligence Battalion connected to the first infantry division. And we went to Calvary Baptist Church. And I was the youth pastor at Calvary Baptist. And those are back in the days where we went soul, we went door knocking and soul winning. And I just wa- went walking around the base just trying to share my faith with people. And I met this young teenage boy. He was probably a junior in high school. And I just walked up to him and he said, hey man, can I talk to you a little bit about Jesus? And he says, oh, you can talk to me. He says, I already know Jesus. I said, oh really? He says, yeah. He said, I've accepted. I mean, this guy gave a textbook, picture-perfect definition of what it means to be saved. I was like, geez, you need to come in and teach my class on Sunday. And, he, and I said, well, great. Can I invite you to church? He says, no. Nah. Nah. He says, I don't go to church. He says, I don't even care. He made this bold, brazen statement. He says, I'm already saved. I believe that I cannot lose my salvation. Therefore, I'm going to live my life however I want to because God will forgive whatever I do. And in the end, I'm I'm not lying, man. This is exactly what he said. In the end, I'm going to go to heaven anyway. Like, wow. Now, taking aside the brazenness of that and the shock value of of, of that statement, because if that's how cold you are to Jesus Christ... I would check up on that salvation of yours. There are a lot of people that may not be that brazen, but have that mentality as well. Now, I'm a Christian. I'm doing my thing. And it really doesn't matter. What, what can I do anyway? What can I do? Listen, there, can I just share with you, man? There are too many people lost and dying and on their way to hell for you to have that attitude. And there's too many people within the sound, within the, the purview of this church. The least, event, the least church metropolitan area of the country for us to have that attitude. We've got to have an attitude of understanding that people need Jesus more than they need anything. And that Jesus loves people more than he loves anything. Maybe you're on the fence about all of this. It's time to get off the fence. I'd I'd love to sit down and chat with you about it. I'm not judgmental. I'm not argumentative unless you want to talk about the virtue of being a Dodgers fan. And then 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 we'll talk. Remember, I was in the Army for four years and I worked the docks for 12 years. I know how to talk trash. Okay? Not very well all the time, but I do. But if you want to talk about faith, I'm not going to beat you up. I'm not going to give you the party line. I'm going to tell you how I feel and what I see in the Word of God. And do my best to persuade you to come over to this side. We need to choose to go all in for Jesus. And let me say this. Because life is life and life always happens and we always go through things. It doesn't matter what you're going through personally. Those are struggles we'll deal with and that's part of what the church is about is so that we can be there to support each other. The Bible says lift up those hands that hang down. Pray for each other. I appreciate so much the prayers of this church for my family, especially for my dad. You know, Mike Aubrey lost his mom this week and we just keep lifting him up in prayer, lifting his family up in prayer. And so many people are going through struggles. Anthony Baldwin, you know, was in the, it was so funny. I'm sorry, I don't mean to, to make light of it, but I went to see Anthony in the, in the uh, emergency room. And Anthony's not a short guy. <laughs> and he was on the table, uh, on the bed in the emergency room, and his, from his knees down, we're hanging off the bed. I'm like, <laughs> what the heck, man? The guy's in here, he's, he's, he's sick, okay? There's a problem. And you're putting, him on, you're putting him on a bed. Give him a chair. 
do something, because it didn't look comfortable, and he was there for more than five minutes. But life, life happens, and we all have to deal with life. It doesn't matter what issues and what struggles you're going on, are going on in your life, people are still dying and going to hell. Go back to what we talked about at the beginning, the distractions of life and what we allow to distract us from seeing the great need of others. Life is always going to happen, and there's never going to be a best time to choose to follow Jesus. Jesus said, now is the, the, the Bible says, now is the appointed time. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the day of commitment. Hebrews 13, 15 says, therefore, through him let us continually offer up to God a sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of our lips that confess his name. Matthew 6, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Seek him first. Follow him first. Make him first in your life, and he'll take care of everything else. He may not, he, he may not take you out of the struggle, but he may give you an understanding of what the meaning and purpose of the struggle is. The all-in committed life is the one that God uses most. Thirdly, and I think this is a big one, I think it's very applicable to our church right now. Choose positive people. Choose positive people. Those who encourage you to go all in for Jesus. If the people that you choose are people who run others down, you have not chosen positive people. And that goes for in our church as well. If you choose to be around people who are negative and talk about others, well, they talk about me. People talk about me all the time. That just comes with the territory. But if they run others down, you've not chosen positive people. I'll say this. Okay, shoot me if you want to later. But if, you choose, if, you, if people have left this church and they're talking about this church and running this church down and you choose to hang out with them and talk with them, you have not chosen positive people. And let me tell you, what you've become is an enemy of the kingdom of God and an enemy of the cross. Praise God. <laughs> I'm telling you, folks, True. this kind of stuff has to stop. The war on new life, the turf war on new life has to stop. It's got to stop. I'm praying and asking God to tell me how to deal with it because I'm, I'm in a fighting mood and that's not a good place for me to be. But you've got to choose positive people in your life. You've got to choose positive people in your church. Well, how do I deal with them? I don't, I don't want to be rude. Can I just say something? Let me just, Lewis, let me speak to a, a brother who understands, okay? I'm going to focus on you. There is a time for a believer to be rude. When somebody comes to you and wants to talk about your church, and tell you how lousy your church is and how great it is where they go, tell them to shut up. I'm one of those parents who thinks that's a good word. Hang around with my boys for a little while. They go and go and go and go and go. And they will not stop. And I stop, I don't pull my hair out because that's not possible. <laughs> and I say, shut up. It has a whole lot stronger effect than, excuse me, boys, could you use your indoor voice? Do I look like a guy who cares about an indoor voice? Seriously. Shut up and get away from each other. Seriously. And when it comes to people who want to run down your faith, who want to run down your family, who want to run down your church, who want to run you down. Some of you, listen, man, listen, I mean, I might as well go all in here today, right? Some of you choose to have people in your life that run you down all the time. What's that all about? People who just talk you down and put you down all the time? You don't have, let me just, Pastor John says, you don't have to do that. There is no legal right for them to be in your life. Jesus looked at Peter and what did he say? When Peter was being negative and going against the plan of God, what did he say? He didn't say, excuse me, Peter, could you use your inside voice, please? 
He said, get thee behind me, Satan. Goes back to that Christian being rude thing. That's not a positive statement, okay? Get behind me, Satan. And it's time, new lifers, that we started saying that to people. Enough is enough. Enough is enough. No turf wars. We're here to win people to Jesus Christ. Point blank and period. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be... Now listen to this, man. This, you may think I just went on a rant. Look at 1 Corinthians 15.33. It's up on the screen. Bad company corrupts good morals. That's scripture. Bad company corrupts good morals. Go ahead and hang around with negative people that run everybody and their brother down, and they're corrupting you as well. Friends don't make friends give up friendships to remain friends. Did you get that? Friends don't make friends give up friendships to remain friends. We're going to move right along here. Psalm 1-1 says, How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Proverbs 13-20. The one who walks with the wise will become wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. Let me just go, go back to what I was saying earlier. Go ahead and hang around with people who are trying to destroy the ministry of New Life Church. Look at what the Bible says. A companion of fools will suffer harm. Am I saying God's going to judge people? No. But I'm saying I'd stay away from it. I wouldn't take the risk or the chance. Be very careful who you involve in your life. Because the Bible says there may be judgment on the way. And you don't want any part of that. Positive people encourage you with positive scripture. Not positive vibes and happy thoughts. If a, if a person who calls them a believer in Christ... Say, and I shudder every time I see this on Facebook, sending you positive vibes, and you're a follower of Jesus Christ. I don't care whether the media doesn't like the fact that we say we're sending our prayers to you. They don't understand the greatest thing I can do as a follower of Jesus is to pray for my brother or sister. That's the greatest thing I can do. Pray for others. I understand action. I understand the Bible says put, put feet to your prayers. I get that. But the very first and foremost thing I need to do is pray. And if you as a Christian are sending happy thoughts and positive vibes, just because that person might be offended at prayer, go back to the earlier points. Get positive people in your life. And don't stop praying for people who need prayer. Don't ever apologize for prayer. Man, that's the power of the Christian. <clears throat> Matthew 15, 11. It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a person. Quickly, number four, we need to choose love. We need to choose love. And if you think that's a, if you think this, this is the total antithesis of what I just said about people who are attacking our church, understand this. Sometimes love hurts. Speak the truth in love, but you still speak the truth. Choose love. In, the time of, in this time of such anger and hatred, what the world really needs is love, not false love or material love. This world needs the love of Jesus. This world needs the love of Jesus. And that means we need to tell them the truth. Well, they get they, people get so offended today, and I don't want to be branded as a, 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 a weirdo. Listen, man, that's going to happen eventually. Seriously. Sooner for some of us. <laughs> But you're, if you're going to stand for Jesus, you're going to get branded. Never apologize for telling the truth. R.C. Sproul said in the New Testament, love is more of a verb than a noun. It has more to do with strong, uh, with acting than with feeling. The call to love is not as much a call to a certain state of feeling as it is to a quality of action. 1 John 4.18, there is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears is not complete 
in love. 1 John 3.16, for, uh, for, I'm, I'm sorry, John 3.16, not 1 John. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And D.L. Moody, the greatest evangelist of the early part of the 20th century, said the world does not understand theology or dogma, but it understands love and sympathy. We argue too much about our faith with other people when what we really should be doing is showing them love and care and compassion. Lastly, I believe we need to choose to share. Nehemiah 8.10, one, one of the greatest, one of the most incredible verses in the scriptures. Then he said to them, go and eat what is rich, drink what is sweet, and send portions to those who have nothing prepared. Since today is holy to our Lord, do not grieve because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Listen, this life is not a life about grieving. This life is a life about joy. This life is a life about sharing what we know, sharing what we have. Nehemiah was telling the people as they rebuilt the city, Go out and celebrate. The city's rebuilt. We're reading the scriptures. We're understanding what God has for us and what God has done for us, what he wants to do in us. So feast and celebrate and send it, send out the overflow to those who have nothing. In other words, take the word to them. Take the word of God to them and share with them. I mean, that's what we're called to do. Don't let it stay here. Take what you hear this morning and share it. Take what you read in your, in, your, in your daily devotions and share it. Some of you, share your thoughts, share your concerns. Share with others, share with people in here. Listen, I know we're very new. I know a lot of people here are, you, you, we really haven't been together long enough, many of us, to have deep abiding friendships. Find somebody in the church that you can share with. That's what this men's ministry is all about. That's what the ladies get together is all about. Getting to know people that you can share your life with and share your faith and share your questions with. Because when you have somebody you can share with, you're stronger and you're more motivated. Share your life. Jim Elliott, amazing missionary who tried to take the gospel to the Aka Indians. And when him and some other uh, missionaries landed and they got out of the plane, they were killed right there in the river. Ended up that more missionaries went back and the entire uh, nation of the Auk Indians came to Christ. And amazing things have happened because of the testimony of Jim Elliot, who died in his early 30s, a martyr for the kingdom of God. He said this, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. The life that you have right now is something that is not gonna last forever. It's not something you can hang on to. And what you have here, you cannot take with you. But what you do have forever is Jesus Christ. And you can't lose that. And Jim Elliot understood at his young age, the man, there is, it, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep. In other words, who dedicates his life to serving the Jesus Christ that gave him eternal life, something he cannot lose. In the war for the souls of men and women, your life matters. We talked about that here last month, right? Every individual matters. In the war for souls, your life matters. Not just your life, but share your faith. Elton Trueblood said, evangelism is not a professional job for a true few trained men, but is indeed the unrelenting responsibility of every person who belongs to the company of Jesus. We're all called to evangelize. Keith Green, one of, the, one of the original Jesus people in the Christian, uh, the Christian music movement. Uh, you can Google Keith Green. He looked like this scraggly bear of a guy. Um, Keith Green said this, I'd rather have people hate me with the knowledge that I tried to save them. I'd rather have people hate me with the knowledge that I tried to save them. And lastly, share your church. And I know this has been pretty bold this morning, but it's intended to be. New life is either your church or it isn't. It's either your church or it isn't. It's not my church. It's not my family's church, even though there's a lot of chase bloodline in this church. By the way, I consider that a real positive because my family can be an example to others of what can be. 
This is your church or it isn't. Choose to share your church. If this church, and I say this several times, I've said this many times, if this church is good enough for you, then it's good enough for your friends and your family. So share your church. Share your church with others. Share your life. Share your faith. Share your church. What choices have you made this year already? It's just beginning. We're, f we're not even five full days into 2020 or 2020, however, however we're going to call this year. Not even five full days in. Many, many new, uh, new Year's resolutions have already been broken, right? It's not too late to make good choices for this coming year. And the most important choices you can make are choices about your faith and how you're going to live and follow Jesus Christ. What kind of choices will you make? Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? And while your heads are bowed, eyes are closed, nobody's looking around just before we close in prayer. I wonder this morning, we talked some about accepting Jesus Christ as our Savior, and I wonder if there's somebody, I'm not going to point you out, I'm not going to, nobody's going to come to you, but I wonder if there's someone here this morning that would raise their hand and say, you know, Pastor John, what you talked about is something I may have heard about, I've never heard about, but I've never really done that. I've never really asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart and save me. Is there anybody that will raise their hand and say that I've never asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart and save me? Listen, if that's a question that you have, please come and talk to me. I, I won't announce it to anybody, but I just want to sit down and talk with you. Maybe, Christian, you've been wondering what this year is going to be, and maybe you've struggled and you're, you've kind of been spinning your wheels in the mud. And some, some things, maybe some things I said this morning angered you. Maybe some things I said made sense to you. And maybe some of the things I said challenged you. And I don't need to know what it is, but I just wonder if you'd raise your hand and say, Pastor John, would you pray for me as I make choices for this coming year because I want to make choices that will cause me to serve God effectively and be an effective member of New Life Church. Anybody? Thank you for that hand. Thank you for those hands. Thank you so much for your honesty. I appreciate that. Hands all over the auditorium. Listen, I will com I'll covenant with you and I'll commit to you that I'm going to pray for you because we've got a big job, New Life, and it starts today. Father, thank you so much for all you've done for us. God, thank you for your power. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy and your love. Lord, I pray for each individual here today as we face this new year, Lord, may we face it with a positive spirit, a positive mentality that we're going to serve you, that we're going to move forward for you. And God, as for this church, I pray that you'll just pour out your spirit and your power and your passion on this church that we might just Add fuel to that fire that's burning here, God, and realize that it is our responsibility and nobody else is going to take it so that we need to get involved. God, those who need to make choices, those who are struggling with things, would you give them peace and grace and understanding? As we get ready to embark on this Daniel fast next Sunday, God, would you give us all a clear understanding, everyone that's going to participate, give us a clear understanding of what you would have us to sacrifice and, and give us answers to our questions. Bless us as we go. Be with those who are sick. Be with those who are away from us. Uh, God, would you bring them back to us soon? In your name we pray.